Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. My title for tonight is, Lord, Send Me an Angel. Amen. And I'm going to go ahead and give you my nuggets. That way, if I don't get to them all, you'll have them. The first nugget is, God will give you what you need when you need it. Second nugget is, we should be imitators of God and not men. The third nugget is, prayer is not an option. It is a necessity. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to start off with uh, my foundational scripture is Acts 12, verses 5 through 10. Amen? And um, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light stone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that led to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from them. Amen? And as you look at this passage, I want you to see there's a couple of things in here. It says that the church constantly prayed for Peter. The second thing I want you to see is that, that, um, that Peter, when he went out, when Peter thought that he was seeing a vision, at the time he didn't even realize that God had sent him an angel. He thought he was seeing a vision. So what we're talking about in this, these verses is that they tell us about Peter's deliverance from prison. Amen? He had been in prison for some time uh, before the Passover, and, and the church was praying, and he, being, and, he be, and he had been going on all the while. Amen? And as they prayed, my God, God sent an angel for his deliverance. Amen? And the thing about it is, as I mentioned earlier, Peter didn't even realize that this was real. He thought that this was a vision that he was seeing. Amen? So to me, that means that I believe that sometime God can send an angel in your life and you don't even realize that it is an angel. God has sent you the help that you need 
but you don't even realize that's your help. Amen? Let's go to Hebrew 13, 2. And I'm going to come back to this because these verses changed my life. And I'm going to share that with you. But let's go to Hebrews 13, 2, and we're coming from the New King James Version. Amen? And it said, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Amen? And as I read this, this, this scripture, you got to understand angels. Angel comes from the Greek word for the heavenly being, angelos, which means messenger. Amen? And the thing about God is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as we begin to look at this, what I begin to see is the fact that just like in this time uh, of Peter, that it is no different than today. What God will do for one, he'll do for another. He is no respecter of person. Amen? So, uh, and, and I begin to look at this more um, because in Luke 1, we don't have to go there for the second time. In Luke 1, God sent the, uh, the angel Gabriel to Mary to let her know that she will be, she will be, she will be birthing the Son of God, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. In Luke 2, God sent an angel to the shepherds to tell them of the birth of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew 28, an angel appeared at the tomb of Christ to announce that Jesus had risen. Amen? So we know as believers that God has assigned us a legion of angels to go out and work in our behalf, to go out and do the things that we petition God that we need done. Amen? Amen. But I also believe, and I'm going to come back to this, that God gave me these scriptures, Acts 12, 5 through 10, because what he showed me is, even though God assigned us a legion of angels, there are people that God assigned to our lives that can, op that can operate just like that angel. Amen? And I'm going to share that with you. I'm going to come back to that. Amen? But right quick, we're going to go to the second nugget. The second nugget is we should be imitators of God and not man. Amen? And this is going to take us to Ephesians 5 and 1. And it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And we're all familiar with Genesis 1. Genesis 1 and 27 say, God created man in his own image. Amen? And, and Ephesians said, we should be imitators of God. It didn't say man. He said imitators of God. So when we, so as I began to look at this, I said, well, we need to know what God did. So when we go to the book of beginnings, Genesis, in the first chapter, it speaks about God's creation of the heavens and the earth. Amen? 
And beginning in Genesis 1 and 3, verse 3, it said, God said. Verse 6 said, God said. Verse 9 said, God said. Verse 11 said, God said. Verse 14 said, God said. Verse 20 said, God said. Verse 24 said, God said. Verse 26 said, God said. And verse 29 said, God said. And as we continue on, and we get to verse 130, uh, chapter, chapter 1, verse 31, it did say, and God saw. Amen? What did God see? God saw everything that he had created. And our man of God has been talking about where God spoke these words, and these things were done. They were created. If we are made in the image and the similitude of God, what are we saying? What is it that God wants us to say? That we can operate just like God. Amen? So if we are, if we are not capable of imitating God, then why would he ask us to imitate him? Amen? So what are we saying? What are we doing? What are we saying to imitate God? Amen? Now, I'm going to take you to Mark 11:23. Very familiar scripture. And um, I'm going to read it real quick. Mark 11:23. For sure I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe, but believe that those things he say will be done, he will have whatever he says. Amen? Amen. And in Mark 23, when Jesus was on this earth, amen, he operated in the faith of Mark eleven twenty-three. Amen? What am I saying? Just like I shown you with God, Jesus was no different here on this earth. Amen? Because if you recall, Jesus spoke to the wind and the sea. He said, peace be still. He spoke to the demons in men, and those demons were removed. Amen? He spoke to the fig tree, and it withered and died. And he, and he even spoke to the dead. Lazarus, come out! My God, my God. And everything and everyone that Jesus spoke to were obedient to what he said. Jesus, my God, my God, operated in the God kind of faith. Amen? And that's what we need to do. Bishop been ministering on what are we saying? You know, words are powerful. What are we saying? To be, to imitate God, to be like Jesus when he was on the earth. Jesus was just God manifested in the flesh to come to this earth for us. Amen? And then I want to take you a step further. 
I said prayer is not an option. It is a necessity. Amen? And as a believer, hear me tonight, as a believer, the most powerful weapon God has given us as believers is prayer. Prayer allows God, give God to a, the authority to operate in your behalf on this earth. Without giving God that authority, he cannot operate. He cannot move on your behalf in this earth. And the thing about prayer, prayer is not a monologue. You just talking to God. Prayer is a dialogue. It is you talking to God and allow God to talk to you. Because I believe a lot of times our prayers are not answered because we're not listening. How do you get instructions if you're doing all the talking? You don't. So I think we have to understand that prayer is a dialogue. Speaking to the Father in Jesus' name. Because you can't get to the Father but through the Son. Amen? So you can petition God for what you believe in the name of Jesus. Amen? So again, I believe sometimes our prayers are hindered because we don't allow God to tell us what we need. And one thing, a great man of God that been going on to be with the Lord, um, uh, Pastor Miles Monroe said that, he said he believed if you have unforgiveness in your heart, you can't even pray. That your, your prayers will not even be heard. Because you can't have unforgiveness in your heart. Amen? Because God has forgiven us for, for everything. You know? And I know I've done a lot of things. But God is faithful. And he has forgiven us. Amen? It's just like when, when Jesus was on the cross and he cried out to God. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So if Jesus, the Son of God, can cry out to the Father, someone who has been beaten beyond recognition that is on the cross, and he's cried out to the Father, and said, forgive them for, not, for they know not what they do, then who are we to not forgive someone that may have done something to us or said something to us? Because if we don't, then we are saying that our standards are higher than Christ, the Son of the living God. And I can assure you that is impossible. Amen? Amen. So if you hold it in unforgiveness in your heart, I ask you tonight, forgive that person. Don't allow your prayers to be hindered because your prayers are not just for you. Prayers are not selfish. Prayers are for others. Somebody is depending on you and you need to pray, but you can't allow your prayers to be hindered because unforgiveness in your heart. Amen? Amen. And huh, the thing about Jesus, too, Jesus' disciples, they watched him in ministry. 
Amen? They was with Jesus. They observed him going out amongst the multitude. But the disciples, and the Bible records that they only asked Jesus to teach them one thing. Teach them how to pray. So why would these Jewish men who came up in the synagogues, in the temples, who had daily rituals where they go and pray every day, why would they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray? Why? <laughs> because what they did, they observed that the, 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 the thing that Jesus did most was praise. And because of his prayer life, he can go out into the multitudes and within seconds, he can say, by your stripes, you are healed. He can speak to that demon. Demon, come out and his move. He can, he can, he can, and I told you a minute ago, he can bring the dead back to life. Lazarus, come out. My God, my God. They saw that Jesus was effective in what he do because of his prayer life. And they wanted that too. They wanted to be able to pray like Jesus and go out amongst the multitudes and do great exploits to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So, I told you I was going to come back to Acts because Acts is dear to my heart and I tell you why. Many years ago in this edifice that I'm standing before you today and at the time I was singing in the choir, my God, my God, and on and, and Sundays, we would come in early for a little light rehearsal to go over the song. And one morning, I was in here, and I got arrested by the Holy Ghost. And when we finished, I couldn't leave the edifice. I went to the side, and, and, and the Holy Ghost unctioned me to pick up my Bible. And when I picked up my Bible, I turned to that text, Acts 12, 5 through 10. And I began to read it, and I wept. God was showing me something because I wasn't at the time what God wanted me to be. In fact, when I came to Harvest Church, I came for all the wrong reasons. I wasn't looking for God, though he wasn't lost. I wasn't looking for Jesus, and he wasn't lost. I didn't even know who the pastor of the church was. I came for the wrong reasons. A relationship. A relationship. But little did I know, and, and, and God can take a bad thing and turn it into a good thing because things happen with that relationship, but I stayed. I stayed because this is where God wanted me to be. I stayed. And when I got that word from God, God was telling me, that you need to grab hold of that word that that man of God is sending out precept by precept. He began to show me that, that that whiskey I was drinking, those women I was chasing, I'm trying to fill a void in my life that only God himself can fill. And I began to listen to that word of God 
And I began to study that word of God. And I began to pray out to God. God, help me. My God, my God. I said, God, help me. I can't do this anymore. And God put people in my life. Dad Clayton. I would go to his house when I get out of work. I had to change my group. But I had to be accountable. So instead of going home and drinking and, and acting a fool, I would go spend time with Dad Clayton and Mom Clayton. They would feed me. We would talk. And then later I would go home and go to bed like somebody had good sense. Oh, my God, my God. But this word of God that I was getting from this great man of God, Bishop Steve Howe, changed my life. Changed my life. And I'm standing here to you today because I didn't leave. My wife that you just saw a minute ago, and Bishop teach the men at Harvest Church that beside every good man is a good woman. And I got a good one. Amen. I needed some, somebody in my life to love me for me. I needed somebody in my life that I know had my back. I needed somebody in my life that would make sure I stay hooked up in the word of God. And God gave me my wife right here at Harvest Church because she stayed. Because I stayed. Because the man of God stayed. And I thank you today. I thank him. And I thank her. And the thing, and I thank Dad Clayton for allowing me to eat up his food <laughs> and spend time with him. Amen. But what am I saying? God will give you a place. God will allow you the opportunity to change. The thing that I missed and some of the things I shared with you, I didn't understand being created and made in the image of God. I didn't understand that if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, that things could be done. But I stayed under that word and I began to study things out. And I began to pray and cry out to God because, see, I had a praying mother. I had a praying mother. When my mother retired, she would go up to the church and be gone for hours. I didn't understand it then. But she was a praying mother. And later on in life, I understand because when my mother was alive, <coughs> praise God, that was a covering over my family. There was no sickness, no disease, and no death in my house. But 23 years ago, when my mother passed, nine months later, my older brother went, died. My oldest brother. Nine months later. And the sad thing about that was he wasn't speaking to my mother. At the funeral, I watched him as he lay over the casket. I'm sure asking for forgiveness. But what that showed me was Excuse me, as children, the word of God say, Honor thy mother and thy father, that day will be longer upon the land thy Lord thy God has given thee. Honor your parents. 
We're in a different time. And honor and respect is becoming, is becoming a rare commodity. But the word of God doesn't change. The word of God does not change. So to the, to the, to the young men, young women out there, honor your parents so that your days will be longer. Not long after my oldest brother passed, up, it was a few years later, my next to the oldest brother passed. I hadn't seen death in my family because I had a praying mother and she prayed a covering over us. And I know that's what, today I know that's what kept us. Amen? And I want to share one last testimony with you. Amen? If I can. Last year, probably about June, and um, I've been fortunate to work with this group um, of young men. And we call in um, Monday through Fridays. It started when I was in North Carolina. I was sitting at my brother's table, and he said, hey, man, I want you to check something out. And these men call in and, you know, we give testimonies or whatever, and we share some word and what have you. And in fact, man, we've been doing this for four years. For four years. And as a group, they titled the truth be told. But the thing about it is a young man on that line that I grew up with. We talk about men from, from North Carolina, Maryland, California, I mean, all, all over. And this young man grew up in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, where I'm from. And um, he had been on the line. And long story short, he's a pastor of a church. And one of the things I found out, when he's on the phone ministering, he's sometimes having dialysis. Amen? But he's ministering with people around him, ministering to these people, doing dialysis. The other thing I found out about him was he would do praise and worship. He's a, he's a singer. He would do praise and worship at the beginning of our session. And one morning, and I don't know why God speaks to me a lot of time when I'm shaving, and God spoke to me. He said, that young man, that young man, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to form a miracle in his life. I'm going to perform a miracle in his life. And I said, my God. So I called him. I was on the line one day, and I think I had ministered. But anyway, and I, and I called him. I said, Ed, I said, the Lord is going to work a miracle in your life. And we prayed about it. Amen? I got a call in October. And... I heard Ed was on his way to the hospital. So he had to go back. That was on a Wednesday. That Friday, Ed had a, a, a kidney transplant. And the thing about it, he had it that Friday, but the committee at the hospital voted me to approve it hadn't met. He got the transplant before they could even meet. So I said, look at God. Look at God. But what I'm sharing with you is what I shared with you earlier. Words are powerful. And had I not said to that young man what God had placed in my heart, because sometimes you might look like a fool, but if God said and he told you what to do, you better do it. And I shared that with him. <laughs> and we prayed. I added my faith to his faith. And God did the rest. My God. So I'm telling you today, 
And I end with this. Words are powerful. The God we serve, he's the God of the impossible. There's nothing too hard for God. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.